some preaching, all right? Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Usually, I'm, I'm preaching through a book of the Bible and, and uh, we're almost done with Matthew. We took a little break for the Easter uh, series. And, uh, and I usually just stay with it, with whatever book I'm in, but, but it, this is a good chance since we just finished the Easter series to preach specifically for Mother's Day. Uh, uh, I remember one year we were, it was Mother's Day and we were in the middle of a series and it just happened to be on the apocalypse. I don't know if that was a sign, but either way, <laughs> either way, amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here today. Uh, uh, we are in second Timothy chapter number one in verse number five. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Paul is speaking to Timothy. He sent this second letter to encourage him. Uh, he is having a difficult time. Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus to, uh, continue the work that was started there. Really Timothy is Paul's second in command. In other words, when Paul goes off the scene, he has trained and developed Timothy to take over and to lead in Paul's place. If that makes sense, say amen. Now, here's what we want to do. Verse number five, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, that means real. It means sincere, legitimate. When I see the real faith that is in thee, which dwell, what's that word? First, first, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for the worship today. My soul, it has encouraged me. Uh, Lord, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Now, Lord, we're in a time and in a place right now where we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I believe I have what you want me to say, but I need your unction to say it. I pray that you'll help me. Give me the words to say. Don't let me forget anything I need to say. And don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And God will praise you and thank you and give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to I preach this morning on raising a child of faith. Raising a child of faith. Raising a New Testament, modern day Timothy, if you will. Uh, Timothy, Timothy accomplished great things. Timothy did great things. And much of that was because of, excuse my country, but because of his raising. Amen. He turned out, he turned out the way he turned out because of what was invested in him in the early ages. And so we'll, we'll get to that in just a second, but I want to share just a few things about, about mothers today. You know, there are, there are, there are many things about a mother that we appreciate and sometimes, sometimes take for granted. Do I have an amen? amen. Kind of like the labor of a mother, the labor of a mother. By the time a child reaches 18, a mother has had some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. In fact, women who've never had children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in leisure time. I, I, my, my grandson just left this morning. We've had him three weeks, and, and, and he about killed me. <clears throat> I never knew the difference between 22 
and 47 or 48, whatever it is. Amen. Illustration. A young father was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter. He got out their wedding album and thinking visual images would help explain the entire wedding service to her. And when he was finished, he asked if she had any questions. And she pointed to the picture of the wedding party and said, Daddy, is this when Mommy came to work for us? (laughs) Yes, daughter, that was the day. Amen. A teacher, a teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet and what it does and how it operates. The next day in a written test, she includes this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M. I pick up things. What am I? When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find almost 50% of the students answered the question with the word mother. Mother. Sometimes we take, we take for granted the labor of a mother. We sure take for granted the love of a mother. Here's an illustration. A teacher asked a boy this question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you your parents, and five children. What part of the pie would you get? A sixth sixth replied the boy. I'm afraid you don't know your fraction, said the teacher. Remember, there are seven of you. Yes, teacher, said the boy, but you don't know my mother. My mother would have said she didn't want any pie. Amen. Amen. The love of a mother. Well, that goes with sacrifice, doesn't it? We We take for granted and sometimes... We don't appreciate like we should the labor of a mother, the love of a mother, the lessons of a mother, the lessons of how many of y'all had a mother who taught you some lessons? How many of y'all had one that taught you something, whether you wanted it or not? Here's some lessons of a mother. My mother taught me logic by saying, if you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. She taught me about medicine. She said, if you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. My mother taught me to think ahead by saying, if you don't pass your spelling test, you'll never get a great job. My mother taught me about humor. She said, when the lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't you come running to me. That's my favorite one right there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just... My mother taught me how to become an adult by saying, if you don't eat your vegetables, you're never going to grow up. My mo- I like this one too. My mother taught me about genetics by saying, you're just like your father. My mother, and I've heard that one. I've heard that one. My mother taught me about my roots by saying, do you think you were born in a barn? My mother taught me about the wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you'll understand, or I will explain it to you when you get older. My mother, I heard this one too. My mother taught me about anticipation by saying, just wait till your father gets home. And all the people say it. My mother taught me about receiving, saying, you're going to get it when you get home. And here's the all time favorite. My mother taught me about justice, justice by saying one day you're going to have kids and I hope they turn out just like (laughs) And I'm afraid they did. (laughs) Listen, mothers, I'm, I'm really, I'm speaking to you today. It's Mother's Day. We're addressing our mothers. But what I'm going to tell you and teach you today is for everybody. 
It's for everybody. I, I am so afraid. I'm so afraid of the world that my grandchildren are going to grow up in. If Jesus tarries is coming, it is frightening. It is frightening the culture and the atmosphere in the world. We have perverts, perverted politicians who are trying to indoctrinate our children as early as kindergarten. Listen, we are, we are in a frightening time. And if there's ever been a time, ladies and gentlemen, please pay attention to what I'm telling you right now. If there's ever been a time that we need to take our job of training our children in the way they should go, it is right now. It is right now. Now, here's the one thing I want you to get and I want you to understand is that this is not an impossible task. When we look at Timothy and his mother, uh, she had many things going against her. She really did. She had many obstacles going against her. One was the culture that she lived in, the culture that she lived in. It was wicked and, and, and ungodly as much as the culture we're living in today, if not more. Do you realize that here, this in Lystra was where there was many, many pagan, pagan temples, pagan gods, uh, idolatrous religions. This was the same place that at one point when Paul healed somebody uh, that they wanted to worship him. They wanted to, to, to bow down to him. And he said, listen, I'm just a man like you are. Then the next moment we see they stone him and leave him for dead. They took the, the, the greatest missionary that ever was, the, 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 the scriptures writer, the apostle Paul and stoned him, tried to kill him. This is the atmosphere she's raising little Timothy in. Not only that, but she has an unbelieving husband. We're going to learn that, that she was a believer, but her husband was an unbeliever. In other words, that made it twice as hard, more difficult to raise a godly child. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying no matter what kind of culture, no matter what kind of atmosphere that you're trying to raise your little one in, you can do it. You can do it. All right. Uh, we can't make any excuses. We can't make any excuses. They are ours. God entrusted them to us. Okay. He did not entrust them. Now watch this. Now I'm going to make some of you, you're going to get a little fuzzy right here. God did not entrust your child to the church. It's not the church's job to train your child. It is our job to help and assist and, and encourage you and, and give you the tools that you need and give you the help that you need and the encouragement that you need. But the job of training your child is yours. Listen, God did not entrust your child to the government. It's not the government's job to tell you how to teach your child. It's not your government job to pay for your child. It's our job. God has entrusted us with our children to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, so regardless, we have a responsibility. But how did she do it? How was she, how was she able, how was Eunice able to develop a Timothy, develop a man of God, develop somebody who had a heart for God and a, and a, a zeal to do God's will? 
How did she do that in the atmosphere that she raised him in? How did she do that in the cultures that she had to live in? How did she do that in a really a split home with a, a believing partner and an unbelieving partner? How was she able to do this? I want to give you three simple things. I, I told y'all a long time ago, and if you've been here very long, you know I'm a very simple preacher. I like it one, two, three, amen? The greatest day of my life was when they had the combo meal at the drive-thru. Say amen. I, I hate it. I hate it going through the drive-thru with my wife sometimes. God bless her soul. I'm telling you, she, she'll, have, she'll have 15 different directions of what she wants it and how she wants it and where she wants it and anything like that. I said, darling, say three. That's all you got to say. And all the men say it. Hallelujah. Hope she ain't in here. I'm looking. Maybe she's not watching online either. Amen. Let's look at this. Let's look at this real fast. Three quick things. How do we, how do we develop a Timothy? Number one, if you look in second Timothy chapter one, verse five, it says, when I call to remembrance, the unfeigned meaning real, sincere, not counterfeit. That's what that word means. It means a genuine faith. A genuine faith that is in thee. It's in you, Timothy. I know it's in you. I've seen it in you. But watch this. It dwell. What's that next word? Say it again. It dwell in thy grandmother Lois and thy what? Mother Eunice. So first of all, first of all, if we're going to raise a modern day Timothy in the wicked world we're living in today, first of all, ladies, you have to have genuine faith yourself. You have to have genuine faith yourself. It starts with you. It starts with you. And like I said, like I said, I I know this is directed for Mother's Day and for mothers, but this applies to everybody. This applies to everybody. How many of y'all know you can't lead somebody where you hadn't been? You cannot do that. If you want your child to have genuine, sincere, unfeigned faith, you have to have genuine, sincere, and unfeigned faith. You have to have something that's real. You see, his mother knew Christ and was, was, she had the faith inside already. Listen, three things. Write this down real quickly. Real quickly. And these are the only subs in the deal. This is going to be a quick one today, all right? She had genuine faith herself. First of all, I want you to write this down. When it comes to your faith, Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, when it comes to your faith, you need to know it. Write that down. You need to know it. The Bible says, 2 Peter 1.10, Wherefore the rathren brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election. What's that word? Sure. Make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. What's that mean? That you need to know that you know that you know that you know that you're born again, that you're a child of God, that you are saved. You don't need a hope so religion or a maybe so religion. You need a know so religion. You need to know and you can't. The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm, it, listen, it's not a might or a maybe. It's a yes and amen. Do you know that you're saved? Are you wishy-washy about it? Are you wondering about it? Are you doubting about it? Make it sure. Make it sure. 
Don't depend on a baptism when you were five. Don't depend on a Sunday school attendance you had when you were a child. Don't depend on the fact that your mother and daddy were Christians because you can't get in on their religion. You need to know that you've got it. Do you know you're born again? Do you know you're a child of God? Do you have the peace of God in your heart that passeth all understanding? Do you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit when you do wrong? Do you know that you know that you know? You need to know, you need to know you have faith, genuine, unfeigned, sincere, real faith. You can't take somebody where you hadn't been. You need to know it. B, write this down. Not only know it, but then you need to grow it. Then you need to grow it. Look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says. First, sir, excuse me. Second Peter three eighteen. Second Peter three eighteen. But what's that word? Come on, everybody. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now, everybody look at me real quick. Everybody look at me real quick. I'm speaking to everybody right here. The moment you get saved, that's not the end of the line. As a matter of fact, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. The problem with a lot of people, they think that if the moment they get saved, they've got their ticket to heaven. That's all they need. It, we're good. We're set. No, no, no. You don't understand. You need to grow your faith. You need to develop your faith. You need to know some things. You need to grow. Now, the unfortunate part of this is that in order to grow, it requires work. And the most majority of Christians are lazy. I am. Come on, look at me, everybody. Growing requires effort. Growing requires work. I remember, I remember, I can't tell this illustration in the second service because mom and dad are being here. <clears throat> but I remember when I was a senior in high school, uh, the seventh period was the last period. And, and I, I, I took a, a, a class called marine biology because I didn't need it. It was just an add-on. I had all my credits. I had everything I needed to do. And I could just go in there. It didn't matter what happened in there. So that was the seventh period. So I used that class in order to take a nap. <clears throat> and I remember one day, I remember Mom and dad ain't in here. They don't need to notice. If I want them to notice, I'll tell them myself. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, listen, I, I would go in there and, and, and my marine biology book would be on my desk and I'd have my head on my desk like that, just like that. And I'd be, I'd be sawing logs. I'm telling you, I'd be sleeping. One particular day, uh, Mr. Priest, that was our teacher. He came by and I heard him tap on my, tap on my desk. He said, Mr. Carter. I said, yes, sir. He said, this doesn't work by osmosis. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, it ain't got the, the, the knowledge and the information is not going to suck up and soak into my skull. <laughs> you know what he's meaning by that? You're going to have to make an. I've, I've heard I've heard people, you know, you know, r- religious people, religious people are really more superstitious than you think. I've heard them all the time. Oh, I'm going to put my Bible under my pillow so I will have sweet dreams. That's as ridiculous as putting a rabbit's foot in your pocket and going to the track. It don't work that way. Well, I want to have sweet dreams. Well, let me tell you how to do that. 
Don't put your Bible under your pillow. Open it and read it. Are y'all with me? But there again, that requires effort. Well, do I really need to put in that much effort? I don't know. I don't know. Should you? Is your child worth it? Let me give you a heads up, everybody. Let me give you a heads up. And maybe you haven't figured this out yet. But if you don't train your child to follow Jesus, the world will train them not to. This is not a this is not a neutral situation. Do you understand that? That this way, especially if your children are in public schools, the, the, the culture of this world is actively trying to convince your children that there is no God and they came from a monkey. Yes, that's right. This world is trying their best to convince your child that there is no God and that religion is for weak-minded people. So when you do nothing, all you're doing is assisting them. And all God's people say it. We need to grow it. We need to learn. We need to, we, listen, we need to be just, we, we need to be ahead of them every step of the way. If you don't grow, they're not going to grow. If you don't learn, they're not going to learn. And all God's people say it. Watch this now. Watch this. What was A? When it comes to genuine faith, we need to A, we need to know it. Say it with me, Fairview, everybody. You ready? Up on the shelf, everybody say it. You ready? We need to know it. B, we need to, we need to grow it. Listen, C, y'all know what's coming. We need to show it. We need to show it. Well, bless God, I'm a Christian. Well, I couldn't tell. Did y'all hear about the woman the other day that got arrested? Got arrested for, for uh, 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 what, how, what is it, what is it the, the, the charge one there? Uh, grand theft auto. Grand theft auto. The, the, the officer pulled her over, snatched her out of the car, put her in cuffs and, 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 and arrested her. And he said, and she's saying, how dare you arrest me? Why'd you arrest me? She said, for stealing that car. I didn't steal that car. That's my car. There's no way that could be your car. You were cussing like a sailor at that light. And there is a fish sticker and I love Jesus on your car. So either you don't love Jesus or you stole this car. Let me tell you. If you have to tell somebody you're a Christian, you might want to check up. It's kind of like the little kid that came home Sunday school. Mama, 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 you ain't going to believe this. Little Johnny, what, what happened? What happened? Mama, we learned that today that God lives in our heart. That's right, little Johnny. Mama, you ain't going to believe this. You ain't going to believe it. That God is so big that he holds the whole world in his hands. Well, that's right, Johnny. That's true. Well, mama, that don't make sense. What do you mean, little Johnny? said, well, if he's so big that he holds the world in his hand and he lives inside of us, he ought to be busting out everywhere. Some of y'all get that tonight. Oh, yeah. In other words, everywhere we go, they should see Jesus busting out everywhere. Are you showing it? Are you showing it? Look here, look here. James 2, 18. James said this, 
a man may say thou hast faith and I have works. But watch what he says. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith. How? In other words, what I do will prove what I am. Now, you know what he says about if you say you have faith, but your life, your actions, your works don't back up what you're saying. He said your faith is dead. Dead. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? Feigned. Feigned. We're talking about an unfeigned faith. But do you know what a dead faith is? Not real. Not sincere. Not genuine. Do you know there's a lot of people with that kind of faith? There's a lot of people that goes to church every time the doors are open, but yet their life is not reflecting their words. Their behavior is not reflecting their profession of faith. In other words, they are religious, but they're not redeemed. Preacher, what are you saying? She lived it in front of him. Do you know what? Do you know what I'm seeing? You know what I'm seeing all the time, all the time from, from my whole life. I'm, I'm talking about from the time I was a little kid to the time I was a little kid in church. And I've been, I've been in church ever since that, that size right there. I just, it, I'm telling you, before I was born, I was in church. I grew up a pastor's kid. I'm telling you, I have seen it. And do you know, do you know there are several, several kids that grew up with me that are either in jail, in hell, or nowhere near a church today. But yet they got this, watch this now, everybody look at me, I'm telling you, this is important. They got the same amount of church that I got. But do you know what's different? That when they left church and went home, the parents didn't take it with them. Preacher, what does that mean? I'm going to hurt some of your feelings right now. I don't care how many times you put them in this building. If you don't take what's happening in this building back home with you, it's not going to work. You come in here and sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And then you go and act like the devil all week long. Which one do you think they're going to remember? They're going to think you're the biggest hypocrite in the world. And it's not that they didn't go astray because you, 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 the church didn't work when you took it. The problem is you didn't take church home with you. You didn't show it. You didn't show it. You didn't live it. Look at this statement. Look at this statement in your notes. Children. Children are great imitators. Children are great imitators. Say it with me. So give them something to imitate. Hello. I had my boots. I had my boots sitting in the, in the, in the living room. Just as soon, just as soon as Carter seen my boots, y'all know what he did. He went and jumped in them things and stood in front of me. Jordan did something the other day. It was so funny. We was in the, we was in the living room and, and uh, he, was, he was in another room. Well, Jordan said, uh, or some, some kind of noise like that where she was not real happy about something like, uh, or something. And just as soon as she did, we heard the same noise in the other bedroom. 
He was copying her. Do you realize they're going to imitate us? They're going to walk in our shoes. They're going to be what we are. What are you showing them? Are you showing them your faith? Are you showing them a, a living, true, sincere fame? What, what, did, what did Paul say about what did Paul say about Eunice? He looks at Timothy and says, you know, I know you've got an unfeigned faith. I know that your faith is real. I know that your faith is sincere because I saw it in your mama first. Listen, how did Eunice raise a godly man like Timothy in such an ungodly atmosphere? She had a genuine faith first. Everybody say that. She had a Secondly, write this down and I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hurt. These two don't even have subs, so you know how fast that's going to go. She had a genuine faith. Quit laughing, y'all. Bunch of negative, pessimistic people. <laughs> My soul. She taught the scriptures early. Say that with me. She taught the scriptures early. Early. Watch what it says in 2 Timothy 3. Paul is instructing Timothy and he says, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now watch this, verse 15. Y'all see it up there? Watch this. And that from a child. Now that word child literally means infant. So from a baby, from an infant, that from a child... Thou hast known the the Holy Scriptures. Now, how was it possible for him to know the Holy Scriptures from a child? Guess what? Mama told him. Just as soon as he was able to talk, she began to share the Scriptures with him. Share the Scriptures with him. Share the Scriptures with him. Now, all she had in that day was the Old Testament Scriptures. That was the Scriptures that they had had. But now we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Do you know what? One of the first songs I ever remember, ever remember studying or ever remember learning my whole entire life. First song, guess what? Jesus loves me, this I know. For my Bible. Before I could read, I could sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For my Bible tells me so. Before I even knew exactly what it was all about. I didn't understand the whole concept. I didn't really get it all together. But I'm telling you, I could sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For my Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Listen, you need to start early. You need to start early. I'm, I'm seeing a sad, sad, sad epidemic of parents who are teaching their children everything but the scriptures early. Now, now some of y'all, put your seatbelt on. <clears throat> this is going to be hard to swallow. All you running around spending tons and tons of money trying to teach your kids sports. One point five percent of all of the all of the athletes in high school make it to college to play 1.5 say that with me 1.5 watch this now 
point two will ever go pro. Zero point two will ever go pro. Now, what does that teach us? Little Johnny probably ain't going to make it. But watch this. Watch this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I know you done got mad already. That's all right. One hundred percent of your children are going to die and face Jesus. One hundred percent. The odds are extremely great that your child probably will never play in college. They may, but they most likely will not. They most likely will not play in the pros. But guess what? There's no question. There's no doubt. The percentages are any. Listen, there's no getting around it. It, The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Let me ask you a question. Are you preparing your kids for the judgment? I don't, I don't, I don't care if you teach them how to throw a ball. I like playing ball. I played ball with my kids. I liked it going and watching them play. I, I'm, I'm all for all that stuff. I'm not anti-sports by no means. Y'all know I'm a, I'm a, I love sports. I'm crazy about it. Crazy about it. Love it. But if that's all we're doing and we are not first helping them understand that one day that they are a sinner and they're going to stand before a holy God and be judged, we are failing miserably. If we don't teach them to love Jesus, the world will teach them not to start early. Everybody, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. It is no accident. It's no accident that these liberal perverts are trying to teach. They're trying to get into kindergarten to teach your kid. It's okay for a woman to be with a woman and a man to be with a man. They know the earlier they can get them, the more easier it is to have them. It's no accident. And we're running around with our heads in the sand, acting like it's no big deal. We're so busy with, with hobbies. We're so busy with sports. We're so busy with everything that this wicked culture is creeping and increasingly into the systems that we're entrusting our children to. And we're wondering why our kids are walking away. You remember what I said? God didn't entrust your kid to the government. God didn't entrust your kid to the school system. God didn't entrust your kid even to the church. God entrusted your kid To you, you're going to be held accountable for the training that you give your children. Boy, it's quiet, isn't it? The devil has made us so busy, we've ignored our children. The devil has made us so busy with all kinds of things that we've ignored the responsibility that we have to raise our children, train our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, train a child in the way he should go. That's our job. And we need to start early. Early is the key. Say that with me. Early is the key. Psalm 78, one through seven. Give ear, O my people, to my law. 
Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Watch this. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Why? Why? That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I want to ask you a question. What is your child's hope in? What is your child's hope in? Did, did, did y'all see, did y'all catch what was in that verse? You need to teach your children so that they will what? Watch this. It was first in Lois, the, then in Eunice, then in Timothy. I heard a man say this one time. I heard a man say this one time. You don't judge the success of your parenting by how your kid turns out. You judge it by how they lead their children. I woke up this morning real early. I always leave real, real early on Sunday. And, and, and uh, I looked over at Tammy and kissed her on the forehead. And I said, this, these few weeks has really revealed to me how great a mother you really were and are. Not because how you did and raised ours, but I got to see for three solid weeks in the house, Jordan with Carter and Brandy with little P-Mac. That's short for Peter Malcolm, y'all. <clears throat> and I thought, Wow. I was gone most of the time in ministry and everything else. But I saw in them what she had invested in our kids. What are, what are you teaching your kids? Now, I know some of y'all don't understand this yet. Some of y'all poor people in here ain't got no grandchildren yet. But if God blesses you and that day comes... You will understand why it's so important to invest in your kids today. Y'all with me? Because you're going to want them to do a good job with your pride and joy. Are y'all with me? I, I, heard a, I heard a saying the other day that it's true. If you spoil your kids, you'll have to raise your grandkids. Or train your grandkids. But if you train your kids, you'll get to spoil your grandkids. And all God's people say it. Lastly, what was number one? What was number one? If we're going to raise a modern day Timothy in this wicked culture, we have to what? Number one, she had herself. She had genuine faith herself. Number two, she 
Everybody say it real loud. Everybody, fair of you, say it with me. Real loud. She. Early. Number three, last of all. She prioritized faithfulness. She prioritized faithfulness. You say, preacher, where do you get that? Acts chapter 16. This is the first run in we have with Timothy. The Bible says that, that Paul comes to Lystra and, and really, uh, I believe, I believe Timothy got saved on Paul's first missionary journey. And then what we're seeing here is the second missionary journey. It says in Acts 16, one verses three, it says, then came he to Derby and Lystra and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. In other words, he was an unbeliever, which was well, watch this now, this is so important, which was well reported of by the, by the brethren. In other words, the people in the church were telling Paul what kind of good young man this was, what kind of service he offered, what kind of ministries he was involved in, how faithful he was. In other words, Timothy in the local church there in Lystra was so involved, was so faithful, was such a godly example to the rest that he was recommended to Paul from all of the other brethren in the church. Now, the only way that could happen and the only way that could be is if he was faithful to the house of God. Now, here's the deal. I know this has been a tough one. I know this has been a tough one. But you got to understand something. You cannot raise a Timothy if you never have them around God's people or God's church. You cannot do it. You need to have them around godly influences, godly people, godly encouragement, godly behavior, godly examples. I need a witness. I believe without there's no question in my mind. I, I'm telling you, there's no question in my mind. If the doors were open in the church at Lystra, there was, you can believe Eunice had Timothy there. She's teaching him from a young age, the scriptures. She's teaching them the, the, the godly principles that are there and found in the scriptures. And one of the verses that Paul describes in Hebrews is don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. If you want to raise a godly Timothy in an ungodly society, you cannot forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You can't do it. You can't treat church like it's just a side activity that you do on occasion. If you want a Timothy, you can't do it. You know, one of the most shocking statistics one of the most shocking, and I've already said it. I don't remember whether I said it on a Sunday or Wednesday, so I'm going to say it now. One of the most shocking statistics on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we had 4,000 people. 4,000, that's not the shocking part because we've had way more than that. 4,000 people. But our first time attender rate who were checked into the system was very, very Small. What does that mean? That means most everybody that was here was already in the system. And when I mean the system is when they check in their children. And this is just the children, the ones with children. This is not counting all the adults, just the ones with children in our system, our check-in system. 
That means that everybody, the majority of everybody that came has always came. They just don't come at the same time. We have people that come once every three months. Once a month. Maybe twice a month. Maybe five times a year. But in their mind, they're being faithful. And they're just kidding themselves. Everybody look, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Your kid is not going to think what's important is what you tell them. Your kid is going to think what's important by what you show them. If you miss all summer long at the ball field, you know what they're going to think? Ball field is more important than church. Whatever you prioritize in your life with your checkbook and with your calendar, they're going to see it. They're not going to hear what you say. They're going to see what you do. And she prioritized faithfulness. Faithfulness. I grew up in a home. I grew up in a home where you didn't say, what are we going to do this Sunday? That's the dumbest question you could ever ask. Matter of fact, that's a whippable offense. I'm not sure if whippable is a word, Brother Doug, but I just created it right there. You could get a, that, how, how ignorant would that be? No, we knew where we would be. We knew what our responsibilities were. Let me ask you a question. If you sat your kid down today and gave them a survey of what they was most important in your life, I wonder what they would say. That might be a good Mother's Day topic to discuss around the dinner table. Let me ask you a question. Do you want a modern day Timothy? I could list you, I could list you celebrity after celebrity that's wicked as hell itself that grew up in Christian homes. Because what they got at church was not the same as what they got at home. Let's not just know, let's not just grow, but let's show our faith. Let's live our faith in front of them so that one day who you raise and who you train may be the next in line to the great apostle Paul. And all God's people say it.